podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Miller, lovely cushion header. But you're, oh, you're beautiful! What a head strike! What a head! The time to Luis Garcia. Tries his luck. Hello and welcome back to the Champions League preview podcast. Okay, it's not the time that we wanted to be doing this, but you know, change competition, change of mindsets, hopefully a change of fortunes for Liverpool. It's a home game, but we're not at home. We're in Budapest. And joining me to discuss this upcoming tie of the second leg of round 16 is Carl Wilkinson. How are you, sir? Not too bad, Jay, football aside. Same as yourself, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know what it is for you, but living in a city with Evertonians who would actually gloat on that they're above you, even though they're getting beat by Chelsea last night, um, isn't a good thing. It's not something I've experienced much in my life, but so be it, you know. The, the season's not over yet, as people keep reminding us. And, you know, they're going for the FA Cup potentially, but I think they've got City next game. Um, we're going for the shiny big ears. You know, we'll see how that goes. But <laughs> we're here to discuss that tie. So, how's it been for you in Ireland? There's a bit of tense with the Man United ravenous def- uh, defeat of City over the weekend. Um, to be honest, I, unfortunately, I don't have too much contact with with United fans these days. Um, say, same as yourself, actually, in that it's it's Everton fans that are problem. Because my family are split down the middle between Liverpool and Everton, with uh, my mother coming from the city. So, um, I've had to put up with a, a brother and a cousin who are a, a bit full of themselves at the at the moment. Um, I mean, I'm not. It's it's not an enjoyable experience. I, I I prefer being on top, but I suppose we just have to uh, swallow our pride and take it for the rest of this season because I don't think we're gonna get back above them. But the looks of things. Well, you never know. It's a it's a funny old game, as they say, and as things can go quickly bad, they can go as quickly good. Although two nearly three months now, has it has been bad for us? It just feels like it's been forever. Um. I suppose out of all this mess that we have had and all these defeats that we've suffered and whatever, the probably big one shining beacon from that was the the first tie of this leg against RB Leipzig on uh, February the 16th, which seemed an absolute age ago now. Um, but I think it was three weeks ago as we couldn't have recorded to the day. Um, a 2-0 victory away in Budapest, obviously it was deemed their home leg, but given obviously the situation with coronavirus and Germany's ruins on uh, travel to England or the UK as it is and uh, quarantine rules and so on and so forth. Obviously the tie was lent out to uh, the push Castellina in Budapest, which is where we play again this week. Um, first of all, just just get your feeling on how do you think that it will affect the lads, given obviously what we've had at Anfield, the past what eight games is it now? We've not had a, had a win. The last six has been a defeat. I think we've had one goal. Um, 
do you think it might just actually be a blessing in disguise that we've agreed to go to Budapest? I think certainly. I mean, just like the the fans are are well aware of the the struggles at Anfield and the the records that have been set, that the players aren't going to be naive to that. They're, they're going to know exactly what's going on and what people are thinking, and they're they're going to be thinking the same themselves. So I, I think there'll certainly be relief there that, you know, the the game isn't at Anfield, so it's not going to be odd. Oh, you know, will will they make it X amount of losses? in a row at Anfield that's that's not going to be the narrative because it is in a neutral ground so uh, as crazy as it is to say it, it's it's fortunate for us that that we're not having to play the game at Anfield yeah I mean I can't confess I've ever been here you know I've been to Budapest as a city a couple of times and in normal situation it's a lovely city um, and the stadium itself looked absolutely splendid really and I think Spurs played uh, their Europa League tie out there, and from all accounts, they were pretty happy with the with the scenic uh, environment that they were in. So, I don't know if that's going to be the second leg of their tie with the uh, Wolfsburg and Austria. We'll have to see how that plays out this week. Um, but getting into the game, obviously, we come out two 0 winners in probably what was I'd say an even tie personally in terms of. You know, we we had moments in the game where we looked good, um, we dominated for large parts, but then Leipzig probably looked more threatening on the uh, on the break and probably if anything had the better chances. But we we managed to run out two 0 winners with a couple of mistakes, and I think Upa Meccano probably had a game he wants to forget. Really, considering all the hype that we've been linked to, obviously he's now on his way to Bayern Munich in the summer, but. If that was sort of an audition, I think a lot of Reds fans would probably think, well, maybe he's not all that. Yeah, I think for Leipzig, it, you know, a couple of things stood out for me. One, I thought maybe they were a bit naive in their um, tactics, which is an odd one for Nagelsmann. You know, he's usually a great tactician, but I think he was a little, he played into our hands somewhat in terms of the, the space they left in behind and that we were able to exploit, obviously, you know, even putting aside the two goals which were were obviously errors on their part like there there was other times where we got in even before leipzig were were chasing a a loss um so I think that that was naive on their part, and I think as you pointed out, not not just Upa Meccano but also Kanate, like both centre backs who were you know probably their their star men ha- had a day at the office they they'd like to forget. So I think that played in into our favour. And although I I would expect Leipzig can't be as bad a second time around because it was a, an off performance for them. Nonetheless, now rather than you know deciding on their tactics they're going to be forced to chase the game being 2-0 down which I think obviously will will play into our our favor because you know the most part in our struggles lately teams have invited us on and hit us on the break maybe Chelsea aside you know credit credit to them they they did outplay us but um for the most part it's it's those tactics and it's that that we we fail to deal with at, at both ends so maybe this again will play into our hands with, with Leipzig having to have a go with us and, and there'll be space in behind for the likes of Mane, Salah and, and perhaps Jada depending on who starts uh, to exploit. Yeah I mean as you, as you say that there was threats there and I, I personally thought given the game that it was I, I thought they probably would have come at us a bit more and I was quite surprised with their lineup. I know we, in the previous podcast before this with Andy Wales, we discussed 
who they could potentially line up with. And I think he sort of nailed the formation, but he said they've got that many options, especially in, in the attack and then to the field. It suppose it's it's whatever he wants to go with. And um, they lined up with Nkunku and Olmo in the attacking roles, really, as it would be for them. Um, I was quite surprised that we didn't see Poulsen earlier um, as a more of an attacking threat. He can one in the second half and Huang, who come on late, last 15, 20 minutes. He actually looked really sharp and I think he turned Henderson two or three times and there was one where he got in around about the 89th, 90th minute mark and only that his finish wasn't what it, the standard he probably expect from himself. It could have been a very different situation that we were looking at here. So, going into that, are you thinking Nagelsmann being the tactician he is, the, the, the clever mind that he is, we, we probably will see a, a much different approach from uh, Leipzig, obviously given they've got to chase the game as well? Yeah, I think certainly he will have been analysing our last few games and, and looking at where where we can be hurt, you know, particularly the, the Chelsea game, because as I said, that was a game in which, you know, Chelsea, they, they didn't go with the kind of counter-attack tactics that we've seen. Yes, it was long balls that that hurt us at times, but they, they were outplaying us for, for the most part in the centre of the park and, and controlling it. And, you know, obviously that's, that's what Leipzig have to do if if they want to to turn us over tonight is is take charge of the game. So I'm sure he'll have looked at those and, and looked at where we've been exploited, and I'm sure he'll look to exploit those weaknesses as well. And obviously then the the question is, can Klopp foresee that and and hopefully make the the, the tactical tweaks and the the personnel changes that that can sure things up somewhat. Um, but you know with his his recent selections, it's up in the air. You, you just don't know where he's gonna go. It's it, like when we get to the lineup, it's, it's gonna be a fun time trying to predict it. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we'll take a little look at at what Leipzig have been doing really, and in in the games since we played them, they've played uh, three games in the Bundesliga and they played the Pokal uh, Cup game. They've won all four. Um, conceded two and if anyone's listened to Dave and Carl's Scouter podcast they will know that those two goals were against Borussia Mönchengladbach which is a team that many would say we are pretty similar to um, but in those games here for Berlin I'm going off the information from Transfer Market here so if I am incorrect then please do affect my apologies but I'm just going on the information I see in front of me uh, so here for Berlin a 3 4 2 one Formation with a 3 0 victory. Munchen Gladbach a 4 2 3 1 with a 3 2 victory. Freiburg a 3 1 4 2 with a 3 0 victory. And then the cup game was um, at home to Wolfsburg with a 4 2 3 1 formation and a 2 0 victory. So I guess all we can take from that is we don't know. <laughs> that that That's all I can guess from, from them information. I, I agreed and and unfortunately it's it's likely Klopp and and uh, his staff will be in a similar position in in terms of trying to to predict how they're how they're going to come up against us so it makes their job all the harder. Yeah, I mean like as I say, if we go off the most recent game, which was uh, at the weekend, um, a victory against Freiburg in the Bundesliga, it was a three 0 victory. I think I've just seen it was then. Um, yeah, three 0 away of Freiburg. So we'll go off the lineup in terms of um, names 
and then we, we'll try and put the pieces together if we can. So Galaxy starts in goal, back three of Klosterman, Uber McCarno, Mukiele. Mukiele was the one who had the uh, little bit of a nightmare when he let Mane through, he misjudged the ball. Um, Haidara, Campbell, Adams across the midfield, um, Nkunku and Omo behind Pools and Soloff. So sort of a box four in the in the attacking part. Um, people to come on in a game where Forsberg, Heinrichs, Huang, Kanate and Samadzic. So, you know, even the lads that bring off the bench, they've let Clive stay on the bench as well. You know, Justin Clive is another young, talented player. So, you know, we rested, rotated, however we want to look at it. We'll get inside in a sec. With seven changes, they obviously made numerous changes, but also they have the five substitution rule in the Bundesliga. So, to their effect, which obviously Klopp's advocated for, Nagelman's used that. Um, goals on the day were scored by Sorloff and Kunku and Forsberg. So, you know, they're, they're spreading the goals around the forward line. It's it's going to be a hard tie, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't think it'll it'll be easy. I, I certainly expect them to score. Um, you know what? I'll be shocked if we come away with a, another clean sheet. Um, I, I think the key really for us is for us to, to get a goal because I think as bad as we've been, you know, we're not conceding a, a crazy amount of goals. Even Chelsea only scored the one. They, they probably should have scored two. But... You know they 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 didn't absolutely annihilate us like it wasn't three four five nil. Did you know they? So we're not conceding that amount of goals. So I feel if we get the one goal, we'll probably see ourselves through. You know we could lose two one on the night, but I just don't see us conceding three goals on the night. Um, but I do think they will score. So I think it's it's important that we get a goal. Yeah, I think the emphasis for me is getting an early goal. For for many reasons, I think it'll it gives the lads a bit of confidence. It'll probably calm the nerves and it puts the pressure onto Leipzig to get free. Because um, even though we are in the neutral venue, the away goals rule still applies, and we've got two in the back pocket. Um, so if we get one, then obviously they need to get three. They could go through on the away goals victory of three three um, on an aggregate score because the away goals rule. But I think we need to put the emphasis down and. And get get a goal on the score sheet just for personal confidence and pride as well as just put under pressure onto Leipzig. Um, so we don't know what they're going to line up at. We don't know what they're going to line up in any formation. But from what you've seen from Leipzig, is there anybody you stuck out in the first leg or any other games you've seen across the season who you'd probably say that's the man we need to look out for or a couple of players? Yeah, I think it was clear in the the first leg, and you know it's been clear through the the season that um, you know Almo is a, a special player. Um, he he's someone who can make things happen, and I I think kind of their their best chances possibly involved him in, in the first leg. So I think for me he's the danger man. I mean the the rest of their attackers, they're they're, they're not. I, I think that's where, you know, so especially with since the departure of Werner, you know, I, I feel that's kind of the area of their side that they're they're not maybe as strong as they once were. Um, but I think for me, he is the, the standout and, and he's the man that, that could cause us a, a lot of problems and, and did cause us some problems already. So I, I feel he's the one to watch. Would you highlight 
given our last two performances, okay, the the player at the right back position has been Trent and the Nico at the weekend. Angelino, I mean, we've all know his danger. We've seen it in Europe. We've seen even in the first leg, if he had the shooting boots on, he probably could have had two or three. Do you think that's where Nagelsmann will probably just say to him, you sit on whoever the right back is? Probably we more expected to be Trent anyway, given any non-injury news. But do you think he just says you sit on him, given what Trent gives to us and the threats and the amount of creativity that we, we go through, Trent, that he just says, well, you pin him back and you stop him playing and you push him into the, his own box and given the fragilities we've had in that position, I know it's been a change of formation and slight tweak of tactical approach, but we've been very, very vulnerable in that in that part of the field. Yeah, I mean, I think Angelino, you know, the times we've seen him for Leipzig and even, you know, when he played for City before against us, I know he, did, he didn't have a great day at the office uh, defensively, but, you know, he... he even that day where when we beat City, he he did cause us problems when he got forward, like he got in into good position. I think he's a player. He's going to do that every game, you know, regardless of of what's coming down the the other the opposite side at him. Um, and I think we've seen that in the first leg, as you said, he got forward. He he had a, a couple of opportunities. He he got in bet- behind, but nonetheless, Trent had probably one of his better games this season in an attacking sense, a creative sense. I feel it probably comes down to just the, the difference between European football and um, domestic football in that you just get that extra couple seconds on the ball in Europe. And I, I think Trent and, and Thiago, I'm sure, will come on to benefited from that. And hopefully they will again tonight. So I think... Regardless, I think both Angelino and Trent are just both going to get up those flanks and, and attack, and they're not going to be too too worried about what the the others doing. Similar to the first leg. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, we we see a little bit more solidity at the back. Um, obviously, we've we've chopped and changed. We've had the well documented issues in our back line, but I think all being well, we'll get onto our team in a minute. But Trent is. Is going to be the, the nominal right back for this game, and boy, we're we going to need them given uh, the situation at the weekend. So, just looking through um, the Leipzig squad, unfortunately, they are in a much better position health wise than us. Um, the only players showing of any sort of injuries are Dominic Sabozlai from uh, Salzburg, who they signed in January, uh, left winger, but also can play inside midfield, and Conrad Lehmer, centre midfielder who was also missing in the first leg. Other than that, they literally have a full bill of health. So, you know, <sighs> beggars can't be choosers. They, they've got all the all the weapons at their approach. We, unfortunately, don't. Um, I'm not even going to try and predict their lineup because it's Nagelsmann and we don't really know what he's going to go with. Obviously, it could be a variety of formations, a variety of players. But we will unfortunately bring it to us um, and we have got to talk about it um, briefly any sort of reaction from the weekend's game anything you want to comment on you know it, it's sad to say but you know I, I wasn't even too hard hit by the results because I, I came in fully expecting it I mean I, after the the way we fell down to, to Chelsea I 
was talking to some non-Liverpool fans afterwards and they were like, ah, you'll bounce back against Fulham. And uh, on a, I, was like, I honestly couldn't see it. And it wasn't just being negative for the sake of being negative. That was my my honest view. And then when I seen the selection beforehand, that, you know, I just, you, you just knew what was coming. And, and that's exactly what, what we got. Like it was, you know, we wanted to see changes. You know, we, we don't want Klopp sticking with the, the same thing that's not working. But I think he took changes too far. I mean, uh, bringing in William Squared, as I like to refer to them, um, <laughs> was a, a step too far. And we knew we just, like Fulham gave us a lot of trouble, even when we had more of a, a first team selection out against them, let alone uh, the, the, the team we picked. So you just, you just knew it was coming. You, you weren't going to win with, with that team on the pitch, I'm afraid. And, you know, I know that that's no disrespect to certain players. They're, they're young players and I know they're learning, but they're they're not quite ready for me and I, I think it, it showed on the day. Yeah, I mean for for what it's worth for me I just didn't see where the, the goal and the victory was gonna come from. There was a there was a couple of moments within the game. I mean Jota coming back from injury was nice to see. Um he looked lively in stages but he also looked tired as well in the second half and Cater as well again looked lively, looked like he was trying to progress the play and Wanted to make things happen, but also, you know, he was coming up against a brick wall of two or three players every time he got on the ball, and Salah the same. And on the usual situations where you know Salah gets fouled, he's getting pulled all over the place, but the referees choose not to see it. Um, and other than those three, for me, there was not really much else um, to discuss on the pitch. And, it sort of did feel as though Klopp was putting all his eggs in the Champions League basket. I know he, he came out before the game and did say Kabak and Firmino had knocks, so they weren't available. But, you know, there was no need to rest Trent. If anyone needs to rest, it was Robertson. Um, and he's got Simicas available on the bench, who's a more seasoned professional. So I don't think that was the right move to make, and especially when Trent looks like he's coming into form. Um I can only presume, and I'm sure you do yourself, is Fabinho was being managed um, and made sure he was only there if necessary. But for me, I'm, on, I'm of the opinion, you get the result in the bag in the 45 minutes and then you make your changes. But, you know, if I was that player, if I was that man making that opinion, I wouldn't be sat on my bed at home recording a podcast with you. I'm sure I'd be in a football position. Um but yeah, it just it felt like it was the inevitable, and we we put ourselves through the torture of watching these games, um, and it's not been good since we played Leipzig. Obviously, I've touched on they've had four wins in a row. We've had one win from four games. Obviously, the derby defeat come on the weekend just after the Leipzig game, which we all went to with huge positivity, and that didn't come out for us. Uh, a two 0 victory away at Sheffield United, where we thought there was signs. And then we were brought back down to where for the 1-0 defeat to Chelsea and a 1-0 defeat to Fulham. So, it's not the greatest form. We all know this. We know there's mitigating circumstances. We know there's problems. But as I said at the top of the pod, this is a different competition. Klopp seems to have put his eggs in this basket. Do you think that's risky? Or do you think it's probably wise given... We probably had the targets of winning the league at the start of the season, and that's well gone. So, you know, try and get the other shiny trophy that you can get. 
I mean, to be honest, I I thought once once we lost it to Chelsea that that top four was was done and dusted, and um you know I know technically speaking there was still eleven games to go and and you could go on a run, but I just didn't see where that run comes from, uh, given. You know, even I look back to when we beat West Ham and Spurs and then we just crashed right back down. So with that in mind, personally, I'd prefer finish eighth than fifth because I don't want to be in the Europa. I think, you know, if we if we avoid the Europa, then we can trim back the squad. We, we can work with a smaller squad, get rid of a lot of the players that aren't offering anything and, and focus on the on the league. That's that's what I want to see. So so given that, you know, I, I can respect the decision to focus on the Champions League but that doesn't make it any easier to, to watch the inevitable results we're going to see in the meantime in the league you know particularly if he's resting players and, and starting more academy lads and the like yeah I think it was at the run to the final in Madrid uh, sorry against Madrid sorry in Kiev when we sort of last three or four games we sacrificed our team basically and Results were gone. Um, it, it could have been the season before against Sevilla, actually, um, the Europa League run, where I seem to remember we lost to Swansea at home, and basically our league form was just shelved by Klopp and in favour of trying to chase the European glory. I mean, it's not nice to see because of the heights we've reached, but I'm sure if you offered any fans now, you can take eighth in the league with no European football but you've got the Champions League final and it's a one-off game, would they take it? I probably would. I mean, how about yourself? Yeah, of course I'd take it. Um, although, you know, I, I, I'm not, to be honest, I'm, I'm not really even thinking of the, the final for now because there's a, there are just, a lot of good teams this, this season and, you know, we're, we're obviously without some, some important players. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's beyond the realms of, of possibility but you know you're you're gonna probably be looking at beating at least two of the the, the top teams on the way um which which we're gonna be underdogs but you know maybe we 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 tend to uh perform best when we're underdogs in in europe so it, it, it could work to our favor but i think really we need to be focusing and clearly that's what Klopp's doing that's why he rested players on on the weekend like he he's not taking anything for granted even with the t- the two nil in the first leg, he, he's completely focused on on this leg and and seeing us through, and then obviously we can we can see who we get in the draw once once we get through and and take it from there. But I mean, it, it has to be the focus because as as tough as as beating the likes of Bayern and City and uh, PSG would would be for us um, in our current situation, it it's still more plausible than us turning things around and getting top four at this point. Yeah, I mean, as the as the Champions League schedule is, we've got this game um, this week and then we've got Wolves away in the Premier League next Monday, the 15th, that is. And then we don't have a scheduled game until the 3rd of April, so it's nearly a three-week gap. It's 18 days, 19 days um, between games in the Premier League. And I know it's been mentioned on other pods that the players, Klopp himself, probably all need this break. And it could be a blessing in disguise. I mean, going into that, you'd then have nine games to attack the rest of the league that 
there's there's big ties in there. There's Arsenal, there's Villa, Leeds, Manchester United. All teams you probably say can take points off each other. Um, I know obviously Leeds and Arsenal aren't up in the, the echelons of the, the top four position, but on the day, they can take points off everyone. Um, and then there's there's other games which, you know, I feel like we've all said this season we should win, but if things flip around, we do get into a bit of form and we get the likes of Henderson back into the team. Um, you know, things can can change, but in the context of the Champions League, there is a gap um, and the next round doesn't take place until the week of the fourth, uh, the 5th of April, which is between the Arsenal and Aston Villa game, should we get through. So we would have, on paper, a three-week preparation period almost to to attack this last quarter of the season and maybe get some results together, maybe get, as I say, Henderson back fit, give Jota and Fabinho time to actually get up to speed, cater as well. So it's not within the realms of possibility. And, you know, there's there's other teams within the competition, there's other ties in the balance, which we will get to shortly. Um, if the draw was kind, if we got the Man City type of draw, which they always seem to get in competitions, you know, it could just fall nicely for us. It's not without possibilities, as I say. Um, but this game is what we need to get through first. How do you think we will line up, fitness dependent? Let, let's go with the, the the availability of the squad being what it is, um, minus obviously the centre-back issue that we say Kabak and Firmino are available. Um, how do you like to see us line up for this game? In terms of my preference, um, I, I'd like us to, to get Fabinho in midfield. Um, so with that in mind, you know, obviously Robertson left back. Um, I'd go with Phillips and Kabak centre-back, Trent on the right, uh, Fabinho sitting in front, Genie and Thiago ahead of him. Because although for the most part Thiago's form has been poor lately as I said he was very good in the first leg and I think the European game suits him that that extra couple seconds you get on the ball makes all the difference for a player like him and allows him to pull the strings so I think it's good to get him in there um, and then obviously ahead for the front three I'd, I'd like to see Jota on the left um, Mane on the right and Salah spearheading it because I, I just don't think Firmino has been quite with it of late nor has Mane to be fair but I think obviously we've seen in the first game he, he got a goal and he enjoyed that playing on the break and the space there was so maybe it could be a, a, a decent confidence builder for him so that's the lineup I'd like to go with but my expectation is that Fabinho will be back at, at centre-back with Quebec and that we'll probably see either Keita or, or Jones uh, going into midfield with Genie and Thiago. Yeah, I think as we all know Klopp is very predictable in terms of his formations, his lineups, and I would probably expect to see Fabinho. Um, sorry, I'm just. Roberto Firmino has missed Liverpool training with a knee problem, doubtful for the Leipzig game. That was Paul Joyce who's literally just tweeted that as we record. So maybe that does play into your lineup at the top end of the field with Jota, Mane, and Salah. Um, we will see. But there was no news on Kabak there. Um, obviously, the training now in. In Budapest, I would presume they've travelled out um, early this morning and, and have a little feel of the field. Um, but getting back to the to the formation, I, I think it will be Fabinho at the back. 
Um, I would like to see him in midfield, even dropping into a position where he drops in between the two centre-halves and it becomes a back three if it's Phillips and Kabak. And Fabinho drops in there for the majority and makes a back three and releases Trent and Robertson to, you know, push Angelino and it was Tyler Adams in the first leg, push them back um, and put the emphasis on them a bit more. Um, I think Jones probably comes into the midfield for me, given Keita played the 490 and it was his first 490 in quite a while. Um, and Wijnaldum was, was brought off on 60 minutes, so I expect Wijnaldum to be in midfield and Thiago. So that, for me, is how I, I think we go. Um, but Thiago, Wijnaldum and Jones and then Fabinho in the back line with Kabak, but I wouldn't be adverse to, to seeing him in the midfield free. So you might just get your wish of Jota, Salah and Mane given Firmino's doubts. Um, obviously, that's just broken then. Do you think that is how he would go? Or do you think he may have a, a surprise up his sleeve and maybe tweak the formation and, you know, go with a 4 2 3 1, maybe bring Shakiri in, um, even though he didn't really do much on the weekend? Honestly, you just would, of late, you just, you just can't um, rule it out. You know, we, we for for all we know, Origi could could pop up on the left. <laughs> just the, the way no. the way things have, have been. Um, you know, I'd hope it's a no-brainer for Klopp because it seems a no-brainer to me to go to three lads who are going to be dangerous on the break. Um, but you you just can't rule anything out. Um, so I, I, I as I said on the front end, I. I Daren't even try and and predict Klopp lineups of late, um, you know, because there's always going to be a, a surprise or two, either be that in in terms of the team he starts with or what he ends up doing with his substitutions. I mean, I'm 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 still at the moment scratching my head at at why uh, he brought on Oxlade Chamberlain in in that uh, the game against Chelsea. So I think that says it all. Yeah, I mean. I think if there is one big criticism of Klopp, it is substitutions either the wrong choice or he just waits too long. I mean, it was patently obvious at the weekend there needed to be a change at half-time and he's not that type of fellow to do that, but it was it was obvious that Nico was way out of his depth and even if you went to put Milner back in there, then you know that was an option we could have went with, but... He's just not type of, that type of fella, is he? So, I guess we we probably know what we're going to get, but as you say, it would not be a surprise. Um, so, therefore, what would be a prediction and do you see us going through at the end of it? I do see us going through, but I I, I just I don't think we'll win on the night. Um, I'm going to predict a, a one-all draw on the night. I, I think we'll score, but I, I, I don't think we'll keep them out. So I, I think we'll go through, but I don't think we'll have it all our way on the night. I, I, I think there'll be goals. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we come out maybe on the back end of a 3-2 defeat. Um, but I think on the night we'll go through. I, again, I wouldn't be surprised if it went to extra time, but I'm hoping that we we have the talent there and they have the naivety, which you mentioned at the beginning of the pod, which Nagelsmann isn't usually too naive, but he is adventurous in terms of his tactics and his approach that we catch them one or two times in the break. And if we 
if we go with that from three that you mentioned, then there's, there's goals in there. And as you said as well, Manny enjoyed that game. That was probably his best game in the past three or four months. So if we can get one, I think that that doesn't put us into the next round, but it, it certainly gives us a strong hold in the tie. Um, but I would not be surprised with a defeat on the night, but we go through on aggregate because of those two crucial goals and the clean sheet we kept in the first leg. Um, so we're not the only tie that obviously takes place uh, this week. There is two ties tonight in the Champions League. There's two tomorrow, obviously, when we play. Tonight it is Dortmund versus Sevilla, which is finally poised. Um, Dortmund go into that with a 3-2 lead on Agrigus. Um Nobody probably expected them to get the three goals away at Sevilla, given their uh, record in La Liga and Copa del Rey. I think they hadn't conceded a goal in seven games. How do you, how do you probably see that one going? Do you see much of any of those two teams? Uh, well, I mean, it was a surprise. Um, I kind of expected Sevilla to win the first leg, but maybe concede an away goal. Um, but obviously, it was the the reverse with. with Dortmund um, managing to come out on, on top and, and got three away goals in the process. So you, you've got to fancy them to, to see it through. Um, but obviously, if if Sevilla score first and, and Dortmund aren't um, the best of defensive sides, you know, it could make Dortmund sweat a, a bit and, and we could then maybe see what they're they're made of um but nonetheless i i do expect they'll do enough you know maybe come out with a a 2-1 on the night and go through 5-3 on aggregate which probably make it look a bit more comfortable than it it may have been uh for them but i i I do think they'll do just about enough but you you can't count Sevilla completely as yet yeah i mean this is the if we are to get through this is probably the tie that you're looking at to say we'd take either of them. I know both teams possess their own strengths and qualities, but given what's left in the competition and those ties that seemingly look over, I think we'd probably put a big circle around this one saying, yeah, we'd probably take either of those in the next round. That would probably be a fair balance of what we've got available to us in our squad and what we haven't got available. And Those two teams are probably similarly matched in terms of abilities on the pitch of strength and those of weakness is that what you would see yeah um certainly i mean they, they are the, the the you know obviously one of the two is going to go through so with that in consideration i think they are more a match for us on on paper given our, our current injury situation um i wouldn't be completely confident against either particularly because sevilla seemed to be a bit of a bogey team for us um but Nonetheless, I mean they're they're the the best of a, a bad bunch really because there are no easy games remaining for us really in this competition. Looking around, um, you know maybe if it'd be a different story if we obviously had Van Dijk and Gomez and Henderson available, but we don't. Um, so I I I'd agree with you there. I think if you get one of those two, you're you're not going to be disappointed. Again, I wouldn't say you'd be happy, but you're not going to be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, would you just the other tie tonight? As obviously we're recording this on Tuesday, if people have not picked up on that, um, is Juventus versus Porto, when it seemingly looked like it was going to be a Porto victory, two 0 um, but Juventus nicked a late goal in the first leg, which has made this try a little bit more 
in their favour, you would say, going back to Juventus tonight. Um, they've got an away goal in the bag. They, they literally can win 1-0 and go through. I know Juventus are not the, the all-conquering power that they have been in Serie A over the last few years, but you would probably say that's a Juventus qualification on the night, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think given the, the late away goal was a bit of a killer for Porto. So with that in mind, I, I do think Juventus will do enough. But it would be interesting if Porto managed to, to nick one on the break and you know put, put the pressure on Juve then to obviously score two to get it into extra time or, or three to win it. That that could make it interesting on the night. But even then, I'd I'd still fancy Juventus on, on home soil to, to do enough. But as I said, they're not the, the Juventus they, they once were. There is chinks in the armour. They they do concede more goals than, than they might like. So um, we, we might possibly see that away goal and, and make them sweat a bit, which will make it an enjoyable watch for us neutrals. Yeah, I mean, there's all the, the Ronaldo factors, just you take that into account. And it's the Champions League, he always seems to have something to say, don't he? even in his latter years. He's he's always got a say in whatever the time might be. So I probably expect Juventus to come through on a night like yourself. Um, tomorrow, obviously, is when we play. Um, we've discussed that enough. PSG versus Barcelona, 4-1 from the new Camp. It's going back to Paris. Game over. Yeah, I think that's that's done. It's you know even Messi at the a complete ma- Messi masterclass. I I just can't see them keeping PSG out. So, um, I I it could it'll I think it'll be an enjoyable one for for us neutrals. You know we could maybe see a, a couple of goals a, a piece on the night. Um, but you know PSG are still going to comfortably come through I mean they, they have a, a a foot in the next round after after that initial leg it's it's very hard to overturn a, a 4-1 defeat at home you know four away goals is, is a mountain to climb get a look at our new number seven maybe Kylian Mbappe short <laughs> 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 sure scouting report any optimists out there um, okay so we'll quickly fly through what next week's fixtures I mean City glad back 2-0 from the first leg going back to the Etihad. That that's a tie that you'd probably say is over. Um this is next Tuesday, by the way. And then Real Madrid versus Atalanta back at the Bernabeu. It's a one nil uh, lead they hold from the first leg. That tie if we've known anything from Atalanta is far from over given how they performed in the group stage against us. You'd you'd probably say if you were gonna pick one to watch next week, that's probably the one to keep your eye on, on Tuesday night. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I mean, we we've seen two very different sides of Atlanta in the, in the group stages. Obviously, we we battered them in in one leg, and then in the other one, they they overturned us. So that they're they're a team that they play one way. Sometimes it goes works for them. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, but they're they're gonna have a go at at Real Madrid, and and this isn't the the best Real Madrid side. So I, I think there'll be scares for them. I mean, they they'll be. I'm sure they expect to go through, but I, I don't think it'll be easy. And it's 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 nowhere near a foregone conclusion. Yeah, I mean, and then we, we roll it through to the Wednesday night next week, the, the last two games, uh, Bayern versus Lazio. Bayern hold a 4-1 victory going back to the Alliance again, as we've said with PSG and probably Man City. That's a, a foregone conclusion. They've just got to see out the 90 and make sure nothing stupid happens. But the intriguing tie of next week is Chelsea at home, so let's go Madrid. Probably the the shock result from the first legs is what you would say, Chelsea getting that 1-0 victory away at Madrid. Obviously, the, 
the goal was a special goal by Giroud. It took a lot of VAR inspection, we could say. Um, but two goals got them playing. He's not suffered a defeat yet. Um, obviously, they turned us over last week. They turned Everton over last night. And by all accounts of the Evertonians I spoke to in work, they should have lost by more. Um, he's got them ticking. And Simeone's got something he needs to think about when he's coming to Stamford Bridge next week. Yeah, it was certainly a, a surprise result. I remember talking about it to, to someone before the game and they, they were expecting Atletico to comfortably go through and obviously then Chelsea would have to focus on, on the top four race um, which would strengthen their position there. But they obviously got the, the result. Um, but it, it's it, it's fine, finely balanced. I mean, you, you you could fully expect Atletico to... You know, a, a nice Luis Suarez early goal, and then it's one nil. And we know how good Simeone sides are at um, defending leads. And obviously, then Chelsea being the home team, the onus is on them to to, to kind of come and try and win the game, um, which could open them up. So I really did. This is one. Obviously, there's there's a slight favour for Chelsea given they have the away goal, but given the quality of Atletico and how good they have been this season, and that was just simply an off night for them um, you, you can't rule them out at all so I, I think it's, of all the ties this is probably the hardest one to call Yeah I mean and you don't want either of those teams really in the, in the next round I think as I've said probably Sevilla versus Dortmund and if somehow Porto snuck through against Juventus you'd take them all day um, but what's left in the competition from the other ties Man City PSG, Bayern Munich, maybe Real Madrid or Atalanta, you'd, you'd take them on a whim. Um, but there's some big teams left. And, you know, th- this is where a lot of people say this competition is probably out of our reach. But, you know, I'm, I'm having a little bit of optimism and thinking if the draw fell right and we do the business over this tie against Leipzig, you know, we, we could find ourselves in the last four. And then I suppose it's anyone's game. And if we have the right players back, we. We could see something then. Um, but I'll leave that there for, for the Champions League tie. I hope I'm not leaving it there for the season. Um, Carl, have you got anything that you want to plug for the listeners to keep an eye on it out for? We're hoping to record a face-off um, discussing the, the ownership of the club. Um, most likely it'll be recorded during the international break, so keep an eye out for that. Um, but otherwise, it's it's been a while since we've recorded yeah, it's probably the same as, you know, we do try and get fancy football pods out, but given the absolute scandal that is this season and fixtures being all over the show that we just really can't tie down a regular slot. And obviously it's usually me, Guy and Sai who do the the fantasy pod, but work situations, people not working from home, people not working from home and as I say, the fixture mess up, it's it's been a bit of a mess. Maybe we'll get something over the, the international break where we can look back at what's been going on in fantasy and maybe look forward towards the end of the season, hopefully all being well next year with a, a regular routine. We can get that podcast back up on, on the airways on a regular basis. But all that leaves me to say is thank you for your time this afternoon, Carl. I know you've, you've squeezed it in on, on short notice, so I appreciate that. No worries, Jake. Yep, and hopefully, Reds, this isn't the last time that we listen to the Champions League moves this season. We will get it back, hopefully, in early April. Um, you know, until then, keep your head up. It's not at the end of the world. We've suffered worse. 
carry on. Miller, lovely cushion header. Bajero! Oh, what a head strike! What a head! The time to Luis Garcia. Tries his mark. Podcast Network.